morning, Fellowship family. I'm so glad you're here this morning. If you're here in person or if you're joining us online, I'm so glad that you've come to worship the King this morning. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with childhood trauma, codependency, and resentment. And my name's Jimmy. Now, you may be unfamiliar with that kind of an introduction. That's called a Celebrate Recovery introduction. Uh, and uh, I love CR introductions because they center our identity on Jesus Christ. I begin with, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but you may relate to me. And there have been times in my life where I've felt shame and I've felt failure. And I felt like maybe I wasn't worthy of being a part of what God was doing in the world. But as we've been seeing in Colossians 3, as we've walked through this study, Jesus takes off the old rags of sin and shame, and he clothes us in new, bright clothing, and he binds it together with his love. Uh, so let's stand this morning. If you're able, would you stand with me as we celebrate the fact that we're no longer defined by sin and shame, but we are who God says we are. Sing this with me. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. That's true this morning. Free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was the slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Sing this out. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Christ this morning. Sing this with us.
sing this out together. I belong to Christ my King. I belong to Him. Drawn by His kindness, found in His love. I belong to Christ. I belong to Christ my King. I belong to Him. Drawn by His kindness, found in His love. I belong to Christ. And I belong to Christ my King. I belong to Him. Drawn by His kindness, found in His love. I belong to Christ. Good morning, church family. You guys can grab a seat real quick. My name is Clark, and I have the privilege of serving as one of your pastors here at Fellowship Fayetteville. And so we're super uh, grateful and thankful that God would give us uh, this grace this morning uh, to gather as a church family. And I wanted to make you aware of a few things that will help you experience awesomeness around here at Fellowship Fayetteville. And the first one is an opportunity to serve. And so um, we used to have this saying around here, a worship one, serve one. And so um, wanted to remind you to practice that value that we have, and we have a primary need, and it's a great reason uh, to have an opportunity. We've got kids back in the building, and so, yeah, clap, Jill, yeah, totally. Um, just the energy and the joy that they bring to this place, and specifically in early childhood, there's opportunity. In fact, last week, they actually had to turn away um, a few families, and so they'll probably be in here with us if we, if we have to do that, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we have age-appropriate opportunities for them to understand who Jesus is and what it means to follow him um, in those classrooms, and so I uh, would ask you, if you're interested in serving in that capacity, Gretchen Friesen is going to be out um, in the uh, booth to your right as you walk out today, or you can go down to the early childhood area and meet some of their leaders there. Um, also, uh, we have an incredible thing coming this summer as we work through the book of Hebrews together as a church family. After Mother's Day, we're going to start that series. If you didn't notice on the way in, uh, much like we did during our Clarity series, our media and pastoral team have put together a guide to walk us through Hebrews. And so there's devotional content, there's daily direction on how to uh, get into the scriptures and get more out of Hebrews, there's small group discussion questions here. Everything you need to know about Hebrews, we've packaged it for you, and so these are on sale for $5, and uh, we'd love for you to follow along with us um, this summer. It's going to be a great experience. Um, and then finally, uh, this Thursday, May 6th, is the National Day, Day of Prayer, and so we wanted to, it looks like the weather's going to be decent. Um, we're going to provide prayer guides and place them out um, on, the, uh, on the porch area down here by our Fayette Kids area. And so if you have, uh, are discipling someone, mentoring someone, if you're in a men's group, a women's group, or a small group, anytime on Thursday between 6 a.m. and 8 p.m., we're going to have those guides out there available. Bring a chair. We'll have some chairs out there as well, and we'd love for you to circle up and pray for our nation. And uh, we want God to be continue to exert his sovereignty over all things here in our nation, and to that end, we want to pray this morning. And so would you join me as we pray for that? Father, thank you for the goodness and grace of your son and his work on our behalf on the cross, his resurrection, and now his ascension as he continues to intercede for us. God, I pray um, that you would be merciful to us as a nation. God, I pray that uh, your son Jesus, his name would be made famous above all names and in his name, we ask that those who lead at all levels of leadership in our nation, be it local, be it state, be it national, uh, that they would be enthralled with worship of who you are as the true king. And that as we submit to you as a nation, we would experience fullness of relationship with you. And to that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
stand with us as we sing? I encourage you to sing out in this song. Every Sunday when we gather, we all have an opportunity to lead someone. There may be someone beside you who needs to hear this truth coming from your lips. So if you believe this, would you sing with me? I don't belong to riches, treasures that don't satisfy, power and pleasure that always runs dry, but I belong to Christ. I don't belong to a Values defined by this world. Approval and praise that change every day. But I belong to Christ. I belong to Christ, my King. I belong to Him. Gone by regard no one with a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is the good news this morning, that we're no longer slaves to sin and shame, but Jesus has given us new life. If you believe in Jesus this morning, the truth is, no matter what you feel, the old self is dead. Jesus crucified that on the cross, 
and you're a new creation. I'm a new creation this morning. So let's sing out and celebrate what Jesus accomplished for us. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. Sing it out, church. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. our sin and you bore our shame 
and that we have new life because you were raised from the dead. Help us to live in those new ways, in the pattern that you set for us, in the new life that you've given us. We ask in your name, amen. You can have a seat. Well, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. Good morning. So glad to be here with you as we finish up this four-week series that we've been doing about what it means for us to be a new creation in Christ, seeing that through Christ we have real freedom that we can step into, freedom from who we've been, freedom from what we've done, freedom for a new identity in Christ, and today looking at freedom for a new way of living in him. But let me introduce myself first. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with anxiety and depression, anger and sexual addiction, and my name is Andy. Hey, y'all. And I have the, uh, the great privilege and honor of being able to lead our Celebrate Recovery ministry here at Fellowship Fayetteville. Uh, but you know, for me, uh, working through Celebrate Recovery for myself was never something that I actually intended to do. Uh, you see, it's actually kind of funny how I got involved in Celebrate Recovery in the first place. About seven years ago, I came here to fellowship to work as an intern with the college ministry, and through that, I had an opportunity to come on staff with Celebrate Recovery student ministry, which is called The Landing. And soon after I started, my supervisor, a guy named Rodney, who kicked off this series for us about four weeks ago, he came by my office and he said, hey, Andy, I'm going to be starting a Celebrate Recovery men's small group called a step study, and I'm going to be leading it. I want you to join. <laughs> and I was absolutely terrified. See, because on the outside at the time, I looked like a, a young guy that was starting a career in ministry. I looked like maybe I kind of had it a little bit together. I wasn't perfect, but maybe I looked okay. But the reality of my life at the time is that what folks saw on the outside was a lie. I was covering up all the shame and guilt that I had for the poor choices that I had made within my life. You see, over the course of my life, I had learned how to hide all of my feelings of inadequacy in the sense that I would never be good enough. And the pain led me to cope in a lot of ways with codependent behaviors and finding myself by my performance and a lot of pride within my heart. When I was in seventh grade, I learned how to cope using pornography. And then when I was in 12th grade, I started using alcohol. And in college, I had a very long string of unhealthy relationships and a lot of sexual brokenness. And so stepping into that group with Rodney leading it, I was riddled by the guilt and the shame of my past. And I was convinced that anyone, if they knew the real me, what I was covering up and what I was hiding, they would want nothing to do with me. And Rodney would realize that he hired the wrong guy. You see, the cycle of unhealth was so strong within my life. And it governed it. Rodney and Clark, the first two weeks of this series, they unpacked about what this cycle looks like within our life. And Rodney talked about what it looks like for us, how in, in our lives we walk through these events that lead to hurts within our lives. And those, those hurts can be wounds that are done by us to ourselves or wounds that we get from others or things that happen from natural events like a pandemic. And, and no matter what those wounds and, and hurts are, if we don't address them, they, they tend to shape the way that we think about ourselves, God, and others. And we call those things hang-ups. And when we don't face those wounds, it, lives us to, or it leads us to living out in a state and acting out in a state of misery. For me, growing up, it was a lot of bullying, rejection, and a lot of uh, expectations that I put on myself that made me feel like I just wasn't enough. And I started to believe that. I started to believe that nobody really could accept or love me. And even if God loved me, he sure didn't like me. And that mentality, it drove my life. And those hurts and those wounds within our life, no matter what they are, they can lead us to, to, to having them work out in our lives in negative ways, which is what Clark talked about. We can start to run to these dysfunctional behaviors and patterns to protect or defend ourselves from the pain. And, and no matter what those habits or behaviors are, they affect those closest to us. And they affect our relationships. Some of my greatest hits in my life for habits that I ran to were pornography and alcohol, anger, compulsive spending, perfectionistic tendencies, deceptive behaviors, 
And they wounded so many relationships in my life, folks, that, that I loved and my family, my, my roommates, coworkers, my wife. And it left me not knowing how to truly be vulnerable with others. That cycle of unhealth dominated my life for years and years, and I was convinced that I couldn't change. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you feel that here today. However, that's not the end of the story. You see, through Christ, what he's done for us and the freedom that he's given us through his death and resurrection, we have a real hope that we can step into a new way of living. Last week, Pope introduced us to this cycle of health that Jesus invites us to walk into. It's a cycle that acknowledges that there, there are still events that cause wounds within our life because we live in a broken world. However, we don't have to let, ignore those wounds, but rather we can learn how to bring God and others into those places so that we can start finding healing and help in there. And then we start embracing the truths, the healthy truths of who God says that we are. And I can start believing just like I did in my journey that I really am loved. I really am forgiven. I really am, can change and I do matter to God. And today we're gonna to talk about the rest of that cycle, what it looks like for us to develop healthy habits and healthy connections within our lives and seeing and, and celebrating the fact that Jesus has freed you and I for a life worth living. And so if you have your Bibles here, here with you today, we're gonna to continue on. We've been walking through Colossians chapter three over the course of this series and we're gonna to end today in Colossians chapter three, 14 through 17. And that passage says this, over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Now, there are a lot of things that we could say about this passage, but this morning, we're gonna focus on three main things that, that Paul talks about in relation to this new way of living, what it looks like for us to develop new, healthier motives, to walk in healthy community, and to develop a dependence upon Jesus. And so when we talk about healthy motives, verse 14 and 17 speak of some healthy motives of the heart and heart attitudes that are key to this new way of living in Jesus. Verse 14 talks about love, and verse 17 speaks to a desire of the heart to honor Jesus in all that we do. Specifically in verse 14, Paul, the writer of this letter to this Colossian church, is writing to these, uh, these Colossian believers and, and telling them that, that love is the ultimate manifestation of character for a follower of Jesus, especially in dealing with our relationships with other followers of Jesus. And if you look back just a couple verses in verses 12 and 13, Paul encourages us in our relationships with others to clothe ourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He tells us to bear with one another and to forgive as we have been forgiven in Jesus. And now Paul says, above all of these things that he just talked about, put on love. Clothe yourselves in love because without love, we can't be truly kind, truly patient, truly humble, truly gentle with others. And then in verse 17, Paul gives us an incredible summary statement of how we're to live as followers of Jesus. And I love it. It's just a simple heart attitude in all things, whether in word or deed, honor Jesus. Do it in his name. And that uh, carries on the idea that to act in somebody's name is to act as their representative. And I love how Paul doesn't actually give us an exhaustive list of, of do's and don'ts. Rather, he just gives us a simple heart attitude in this verse here. And whatever you do, where's your heart? Honor Christ. And that right there is a game changer when I, when I go to live it out. Because it's, it's taught me to learn how to think differently when I approach my actions. And I can start thinking, God, what are these words and deeds going to do? Are they going to draw me closer to Jesus? Or are they going to draw myself and others further away from Jesus? 
These two motives, when they take root in our heart, they, they cause us to place God and others above ourselves, which is key to us starting to live in a healthy way. And my dysfunctions and my addictions and my brokenness, it was all about me, my comfort and my control. And I never really even thought about what was that honoring God and, and how it impacted others in my life. And there were even good things that I did for self-serving reasons. But learning to desire to honor Christ in our actions and allowing our hearts to be driven by love, it changes the actions that we then take. And as we embrace more and more the healthy truths of who we are in Jesus, it shifts our motives, it works out in our lives, and we start not just doing healthy things, but we start doing those things for the right reasons. The next aspect is learning to develop healthy community and making sure we're living and developing healthy community uh, in and around us. Verse 15 calls us to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts because we are members of one body. Paul is calling followers of Jesus to strive for peace and unity together. And that, <laughs> that certainly isn't an easy thing to do. It was a hard thing for the Colossian church 2,000 years ago. That's, that's why Paul is writing these words to them. And it's a hard thing for us to do now. It gets messy. You know, broken people living in a broken world, when that happens, broken things tend to happen. And Paul's encouragement for us is to seek peace with one another. And it reminds me a whole lot of something else that Paul has to say when it comes to how we are to deal with all of our relationships. In Romans chapter 12, verse 18, he says this, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That means being willing to love people when they might be hard to love, but also making sure that we set healthy boundaries on ourselves. It also means being willing to address conflicts rather than letting anger and resentments and bitterness rule our relationships. Verse 16 gives us another key aspect of this healthy community and connection. We're encouraged that as we let the word of God dwell in us, that we are to teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. We are called to sharpen one another so that we can grow together. And something that I've had to learn in my life and is so important for this to happen, if I wanna pour into and teach and sharpen others, I have to be willing for others to pour into and teach and sharpen me. I need people around me that can encourage me, that can challenge me, that can provide accountability, that can be people that I run to when I'm struggling and that I can trust. If I don't have that, one thing I've learned is I'm in a whole lot of trouble. In my dysfunctions, I've realized that I have an incredible gift of convincing myself to make really stupid choices. And so I need people around me. And when I open myself to, up to having others speak into my life, that allows me to be willing to grow and keeps me in a healthy place. Now, I will say, even just this idea of healthy community, chances are there's some of us in here that have been really burned by some close relationships in our life. And that makes vulnerability scary. It's scary just to begin with because it opens us up to being known. But learning to practice this habit of vulnerability is the only way that we strengthen healthy connection and community. And I wish I would have learned that a whole lot sooner within my life. It would have saved me a lot of pain and a lot of heartache. But a, quick, a couple quick notes on this before we move on. First and foremost, not everybody's gonna be a safe person for you. The important thing is learning to find a couple people that we can trust. And also, there may be times where we have to set really strong, healthy boundaries in our relationships so that we can heal. In cases of, of, of abuse or extreme dysfunction, we may have to completely cut off that relationship so that we can find the healing that we need. And remembering that if that happens, that forgiving somebody and letting go of resentment, that's not the same as being fully reconciled in a relationship with them. And if we run into situations like that, that in, we need people around us to be able to speak into that and help us navigate that well. But the bottom line is that we were created to need each other. We were created for healthy connection with each other, and that's key for us to actually live in this healthy way. Now, the, the last aspect of this is actually the most important thing that we need to remember when we talk about stepping into this new way of living, and it's us at the root developing a growing and sincere dependence upon Jesus. Verse 16 is a verse that's been pretty familiar for me for a lot of my life, but I don't think I realized the weight of it until recently. 
Verse 16, it says, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. Some translations, it says the word of Christ in there, but it speaks of the same thing. It's talking about the message about Jesus, the gospel, the good news for us that God saves broken people through Jesus. And to let that message dwell in us richly, it means this, that we are to let it have ample room in our hearts to do the work that it needs to do. This is language here that describes work that only the Holy Spirit can do within our lives. And Clark mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but it's important to remember that the way that God works change in our life ultimately is through the message of the gospel conveyed through the word of God lived out among the people of God empowered by the spirit of God. And so that means that we can't do this under our own strength. My hope for change comes only through Jesus My strength won't do it. In fact, I heard it said early on in my journey that sin eats willpower for lunch. We can't manage or control our own change just under ourselves. It takes us being willing to surrender our lives and our wills to the care and control of God. There's a theologian named A.W. Tozer that puts it this way. He says, the reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to an end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. And so a good question to ask is, what does that look like in my life? Am I still trying to control and manage the change or have I admitted that only God can do it and have I sought out him and the things that I'm struggling with and that I'm dealing with? Because We have to give God the ample room in our heart to do his work. Now, this can be a really hard thing to do because many of us carry around a lot of baggage and hurts that clutter up our hearts. The wounds that we carry and the things that we've experienced, they can cripple our hearts and keep us from moving forward. And that's why it's so important for us to be willing to step into letting God and others into our lives as we process our hurts and the things that we're dealing with so that it can remove those things that are keeping us from letting God in there. And then there's one final thing in, in this thing that helps us to uh, develop dependence upon Jesus, and that's gratitude. Three separate times, Paul mentions to us to be thankful and practice gratitude. And what I've had to learn is that gratitude, it's not an emotion that we work up but rather it's a healthy practice that we put into place, remembering the work of Jesus within our lives and reminding ourselves what we have rather than dwelling on what we don't. And for us as followers of Jesus, what we have is a forever hope of the rescue of the gospel in our lives available to us. Paul David Tripp uh, says it this way. Uh, when it comes to this idea of thankfulness, how it drives our dependence upon Jesus and impacts the way we live in community with others. He says this, gratitude for the patience and forgiveness of Christ. And I just want to stop right there. The patience and forgiveness of Christ. Have you thought about how patient God has been with you? It's a cool thing to think of. Gratitude for the patience and forgiveness of Christ that enables you to be patient and forgiving towards others. It is your own daily experience of the rescue of the gospel that gives you a passion for people to experience the same rescue. I had a hard time in my life for so long believing that I could experience the rescue of the gospel as I struggled with pornography and anger, these feelings of inadequacy. Convinced that I couldn't change, but one of the things that helped me to believe that I really could change was hearing stories of how God had changed others around me again and again and again. And so this morning, I wanna share one of those stories with you through my dear friend, Jill. So would you uh, give it up for Jill as she comes on up here with us today? (laughs) Hey, Jill. Good morning, glad you're here with us. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, can you do two things for us? Can you introduce yourself? And then can you bring us into what your cycle of unhealth looked like? Absolutely. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I celebrate recovery over loss of faith, but I still struggle with love and relationship addiction and sexual brokenness, and my name is Jill. Hey, Jill. So for me, I grew up in a broken home, and I was shuffled kind of from place to place with people Mm -hmm. who were not always safe for me. 
Um, my earliest childhood memory is of abuse, which led me to believe that physical touch was love. Mm. Um, and I was married for the first time when I was 15 years old. Um, that marriage, you know, after 13 years and two beautiful daughters ended in divorce. But I quickly found another partner and remarried, mm -hmm. only to have that marriage also end in divorce. And the cycle of me running from one relationship to another continued into my 40s, and I hurt a lot of people along the way. Mm. So a history of, of wounding and hurts, two failed marriages, and a cycle you couldn't get out of. What were some of the lies that you were believing in that place? For me, I think digging deep, the first lie that I believed was that my childhood trauma was my fault. Mm. And I believed that I wasn't lovable because if I were, I mean, even God couldn't love me or he would have protected me in that. Mm. Um, and then I believed after failed marriages that every relationship was going to fail because I just wasn't worthy of being loved. Mm. So, so what changed for you? What, what happened and, and what, what changed? Uh, yeah, I was actually very active in my cycle when I first came to celebrate recovery. Um, I had just left my then husband. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was already in a new relationship with a man who attended CR. <laughs> and so I kind of chased him into the doors on Friday nights. So you followed a boy to celebrate Followed a boy recovery. to celebrate right. recovery. Um, <laughs> I did not think I had any issues, of course. I was just here to support him. <laughs> and so, um, but God showed up for me, and he showed me through other women sharing their stories um, that I had big hurts mm -hmm. and that I had a cycle of my own. And so I learned, you know, through these other women in these new relationships um, that, you know, I wasn't going to have to do this alone for one and for two, that I could work through these hurts and there's freedom in that. Mm. And, um, you know, being in Celebrate Recovery for almost four years now, I've learned how to be honest and vulnerable. And those two things That's have huge. brought new relationships to my life, like the women I mentioned before who are my sponsor and my accountability team. But also it has healed broken relationships. You know, I had two adult daughters and um, they suffered a lot of hurt. In my when I was in my cycle, yeah. and so um, through me being honest and vulnerable and seeing my part in my past, um, I was I've been able to, you know, have a better relationship with them, and our relationship is better than it's ever been. <laughs> and incredible. then the boy that I chased to celebrate recovery <laughs> is my husband now. Um, we are both very active, um, actively working our recoveries. We both serve um, with Celebrate Recovery. We co-lead step studies. We mentor fellow strugglers, and, um, you know, we're just every day working towards learning what a healthy marriage looks like. Mm, I love that. You two seeking health together has actually led to the most healthy relationship you've ever had mm -hmm. yeah, in your life. Absolutely. That's incredible. I love that. Well, Jill, uh, maybe somebody in here today is resonating with your story, or maybe they're at where, where you've been. What would you tell them? Well, the first thing I would say is that in Ephesians, in the Bible, it says that God loved and chose us without fault in his eyes. And so he loves us where we are. Mm -hmm. And he will, if Celebrate Recovery can give you tools to help you identify your hurts, can help you break your cycles, it can help show you hope and give you freedom from that. Because no matter where you are, no matter what you're running to, running from, what you're coping with, you know, God loves you so much. And he loves you so much right where you are. And CR will welcome you with open arms. There's mm -hmm. no judgment. You'll be in a forever family that, that will just love and support you along the way and um, give you the tools to be able to just put one foot in front of the other one day at a time. That's awesome. Remembering the freedom and hope that comes through God in, yeah. in that, that he loves us right here where we're at, but he loves us far too much to leave us where we're at. I love yeah. it. Well, Jill, I know we could talk for forever about the things that God has done in your life, and it's just cool, even as we were uh, preparing for this, just all the things that, that, that God has done in you. But I thank you for being willing to share just a small part of your story with us today and for your vulnerability with us. So thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, let's give it up Thanks for Jill. Thanks for letting me share. Yeah. So if you're sitting in here today, Maybe there's some of us that resonate with Jill's story. Maybe there's some of us that can relate to the pain that she's walked through. Maybe we can't. Maybe there's other stuff that's going on within our lives. And, and I would ask, what, whatever that is, whatever hurts, whatever hang-ups, whatever habits that you've brought in here with you today, because we all have them, myself included, I'd ask you, what are you doing about them? 
Are you doing like what I did for so long, acting like it's not there, trying to put up just this perfect image of myself? Are you stuck in a cycle, feeling like you're trying to change, but you're just not getting any traction, scared to let others in, scared of what they would think of you? Are you willing to let God have the ample room that he needs in your heart? If you're looking for a safe place to process that, Celebrate Recovery would love to be that safe place for you. We meet here in this room every single Friday night at seven o'clock. And by the way, this church today is a safe place to be broken to. It doesn't matter who you've been, what you've done, what's been done to you. The hope and the message of Jesus is for all of us. And so, I, I would tell you that this morning, we can really step and stand on the forgiveness and hope that Jesus has given us, that he really has freed us for a life worth living. You know, about four weeks ago, we started this series uh, right after Easter, uh, asking the question simply, so what? Why does the death and the resurrection of Jesus matter? What impact does it have on my, my everyday life? And that's a big question because the answer to that really does impact every part of our lives and our hearts. Because of Jesus, because of the work that he has done for us on the cross, but even more so the, the reality of the empty tomb and the fact that Jesus has raised from the dead means that we have been given a hope and a freedom and a, and a way to step into that through Jesus. Freedom from who we've been, freedom from what we've done, freedom to actually have a new life and identity in him and freedom as we depend on him to allow him to work out this new way of living as we follow him and as we're honest with where we're at. Freedom for hope. Freedom to live in a new way. And so this morning, we're gonna celebrate that freedom through communion. Uh, if you didn't get a communion cup on the way in, there's some in the back there. And if you take a look at your cup, there's just how this thing works. There's two little flaps on it. There's a thin flap on top that reveals the bread, a thicker flap on the bottom that reveals the juice. And we want to take this together here in a moment. You know, communion is a symbolic act that uh, followers of Jesus have done to remember and celebrate with thankfulness the hope and the freedom that we have in Jesus. And since it is to serve as a reminder for something that we already have, it's intended for, for those that have already placed their hope and faith in Jesus. Now, if you haven't already grabbed hold of that forgiveness through Christ, today can be the day that you do that. You see, it simply takes believing in what this simple act of remembrance spells out for us on our behalf. And today we get to remember the hope that we have in Christ and the freedom that we have in him. Freedom from who we've been, freedom from what we've done. Freedom for a new identity and a new way to live. But before we take this, I wanna mention, maybe there's some of you here this morning that maybe you don't feel that same celebratory spirit today. Maybe the idea of remembering Christ and what he's done for you, maybe there's a lot of shame in your heart for some of the things that have been going on in your life. And maybe you feel like you're just not even worthy to do this today. I want to tell you, if that's you, I've been there. Several years ago, when I was uh, starting out my recovery journey, I had a week where I was dealing with a lot of relapses, particularly in my pornography addiction. And I found myself at a Saturday night service up at the Rogers campus there, and they were taking communion. And the shame was so heavy on my heart, and I just I couldn't even stand the thought of going and getting up and taking communion. And I sat there thinking about what communion was and it was reminded of what this actually represents. Communion is the reminder to you and I that it's not our mistakes that define us. It's not our work that we do, but it's the work that Christ has already done on our behalf. And we're simply remembering the forgiveness and freedom that he really has given us to step into. Being reminded that the bread it represents the body of Christ that was broken for our brokenness. 
You see, he knows that we are broken and sinful people. He knows the cycles of unhealth within our life. He knows the wounds that we carry with us, the lies that we believe in about him. He knows the way that we run to to these things for comfort and protection besides himself. Yet he was still willing to be broken and killed on our behalf because even though we really are that broken, he really does love us that much. And so we take and eat in remembrance of him. And then the juice, representing the blood of Christ that was poured out for our forgiveness of sins so that we could walk with him, standing on the forgiveness and the hope and the freedom that is found in him. Knowing that through him and what he's done, we have the freedom to bring everything that we are to him, the hurts, the baggage, the pain, and find healing in him. That we can embrace the truths of who we are in him and allow him to work out new ways of living as we stand and grow in his grace. And so we take and we drink in remembrance of him. And now with that in mind, We stand together, being reminded of the hope that we have, that Jesus really has freed us for a life worth living and a freedom that we can step into. Let's worship and celebrate him and the freedom that we have. We celebrate the great exchange. He takes our sin and our shame. He gives us glory. Would you sing out with us? believe that Jesus did what he said he would do on the cross, then he rose again. Let's celebrate this morning. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures the faith. Never enough, and you came along, put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied. Healing your love, sing this to him.
We stand on that hope today, recognizing that through Christ, there really is true freedom that we can walk in. Hey, if you're looking for a place to uh, maybe process some stuff that's going on in your life, I'd encourage you, again, Celebrate Recovery meets every Friday here at 7 o'clock here in this room. That or get plugged into a community group. You can talk to some community group folks out at the booth this morning. We'll also have our Celebrate Recovery team uh, out at the booth as well in the foyer. Uh, or if you just simply need prayer today, we have our prayer room that's open as well. And you can head over there uh, and, and have someone pray for you. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happening in your heart, we're in this together. And together we find freedom through Christ. And so with that, have a great week, fellowship. We love you. God bless you.